You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. As I said a little earlier, today we're starting a brand new teaching series uh, called More Than a Book. Come on, somebody. We, uh, we have been talking about revival for, I think it was week 12 last week, and so uh, for a while, and I'm sure there will still be some revival themes through the, the rest of the year that we're going to be continue talking about. But for today, we're starting a brand new series called More Than a Book. And this is one of the things that we've been seeing, and if you uh, just watch the news, if you just talk to people, even in many people that I know are Christians that go to church, it's amazing to me how many people I hear talk about the Bible, talk about God's Word, and they treat it or talk about it as just any ordinary book, as if it was just something that is just words on a page that we can you know, we can read or we can learn from or it's just got good, you know, uh, good information that we can apply to our lives. But God has really put on my heart to remind us that this is so much more than a book, that this is the only book that is actually living and breathing and active and ready to work in your life. Uh, it, it talks about itself in here. It talks about how it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is ready to go to work, not just in you first, but also through you to give you insight, to give you uh, access to what God has for you. So many people, they, we, we look at this and we look at the historical context of this and we think, well, there was 40, 40 different writers or 40 different authors, and so is it really the Word of God? And so I would challenge us to think a little bit differently about that. There may, may have been 40 writers, but there was only one author. There's 40 writers, yeah, humans put pen to, to paper and wrote this down, but there's only one author. This is God-breathed, and they took note when God breathed. God inspired, God breathed. And so we're going to be talking about, in this series, how do we read God's word? Uh, why do we read God's word? How, um, uh, how do we experience the miraculous things in God's word? How do we live it out in our lives? As I said a little bit earlier, sometimes you're going to read things in here and you think to yourself, that's great. That's a lot of weird names that I don't know how to pronounce. How do I apply that to my life today, right? Like, I don't know what to do with that. But everything in here is here on purpose. There is no mistake. There is no accident. There is no thing out of place. This is here on purpose to set you and me up for success. And that's what we're going to talk about in this. Um, I think a lot of people in today's world, they may discredit the Bible because they think there's a lot of inconsistencies. And what they mean by inconsistencies is the fact that there are things that are scientifically impossible, right? Well, nobody can walk on water. Nobody can uh, survive in the belly of a fish or a whale for three days. Nobody can um, raise from the dead. Uh, a virgin can't give birth. Uh, you know, uh, a person can't multiply food to feed 5, 10, 15,000 people with one lunch. Come on, like scientifically impossible. And they treat those as inconsistencies. And by doing so, they're throwing this out. But can I tell you, um, those don't prove that there are inconsistencies in God's word. It just proves that God is God. That's what it proves. It just means that we don't serve a God who is some math problem to be solved. We serve a God who is greater than our little finite human minds who can do the impossible. If I served, uh, I mean, I would just say this, I would feel sorry for anyone who serves a God who is subject to science. I don't know if you've uh, been aware the last few years, especially science is always changing, okay? There's some things that they can prove or not prove or whatever. However, this thing, 
is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the only thing that does not change. And if, I, if our God is somebody that can be solved or completely figured out in our human mind, he ceases to be God. At that point, we become God because we know everything he knows. And that's, how, that's, not, that's not how this thing works. That's not how this thing works. Uh, and I would say this. The, why do we need to talk about this? The first attack of Satan was to cast doubt on the word of God. The very first attack for humans was what? Did God really say? Oh, he said that. Did he really mean that? Did he, I mean, or was he actually saying this whenever he said that? But do you see those same little um, clarifying questions? That's what we do. I hear people say that all the time when it comes to promises in God's word. Well, did he really, but, but that was, and all of these little clarifiers, and do we need to read things in context? Absolutely. Do we need to look at context historically and all of those things? Absolutely. However, sometimes good, good meaning Christians um, try to bring those clarifying questions, but in doing so, their words sound just like the devil. But they're trying to help. But listen, God's word is perfect. And I've realized that God's word is simple. Does it not mean there's not a lot of things in here? There's a lot of stuff in here. There's a lot of details in here. But understanding it and applying it can be simple. And that's what we're going to talk about in this. And one of the things we have to do is this. We have to, we have to choose to believe every word of this book, even if you don't understand it. You have to, we have to make that decision now. I have to make the decision. I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to read your word today. And if I read something I don't understand, or let me take a step further. If I read something that um, doesn't agree with how I was taught, I'm going to believe your word above any human's word, above anything else that's going on, right? If you're, if you're waiting to believe before your finite human mind can understand, you will miss out on the great things God has for you. There's a lot of things that I can show you and describe to you in God's word, but there's a lot of things that you will never truly understand in your heart or experience until you believe it and try to live it out. Tithing is a great example. I can't tell you why when I give my first 10% to the church, which me and Leslie do, how God continues to provide all of our needs. How, it doesn't make sense when I give away some of my money, how is everything met? How can God do more with 90% that is blessed rather than 100% that I keep to myself, which biblically would be cursed? How can that happen? Another great one is praying in the spirit or speaking in tongues. Look, I can't, I can't break it all down for you, okay? But I can tell you that I saw it, I believed it enough to receive it, and I use it every single day. And I can tell you story after story how it is saved my life, it has saved my son's life when he was being born, it has saved, and that's all I can tell you. Look, I don't totally understand it, but I believe it enough to see it, and because I believe it enough to live it out or see it in my life, I've experienced its goodness. That's all I can tell you. So here's the thing. There's a lot of stuff in here, but God has broke, broken it down in a way where we can receive it and walk out if we'll choose to believe before we always wait to understand up here. We've got to believe first. God and his word are not a math problem to be solved. There's so much greater than that. But what we can understand supernaturally in our heart more about him. So here's what we're going to talk about today. This thing is more than a book. Today's topic is simply this. This thing's more than a book. It is our spiritual bread. 
It is bread to us. I'm going to break that down. That may sound weird, uh, but um, we'll break it down here in a second. Anybody in here love bread? Anybody? Come on. Anybody with me? Texas Roadhouse, you know, go get some rolls. Come on, somebody. Amen. Like, bread's, bread's a good thing, depending on, I guess, depending on who you are. But I think bread's a good thing. We're going to talk about, though, what does this mean for us? The first thing is this. The Bible is our daily bread. The Bible is our daily bread. If you're taking notes, that's point number one. I'm going to show you a few different examples of this in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I'm going to do a a little bit of teaching today along with um, some of the things God's put on my heart. But let's look at it. Exodus 16, verse 4. This is an Old Testament example of God speaking about giving daily bread. Um, Let's read it and we'll break it down. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out, gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. This is talking about physical bread, uh, manna in the desert for the children of Israel. We're not going to get into all that today, but he says, I'm going to give bread from heaven. We're going to come back and visit that in just a second. Let's look at a New Testament example, Matthew 6, 11. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he says this, pray like this, give us this day our daily bread. The Bible is our daily bread. In this particular passage, Yes, it's talking about provision, I think, in some of it. It's talking about provision. Even in the Old Testament example, it's talking about natural provision, natural bread that is coming. But we're going to talk about here in just a second. I'm going to show you how this is also referring to God's word as bread. The truth is, is that God wants to give you a daily word. Let me say that again. The truth is that God wants to give you a daily word, meaning this. He wants to speak to you every day. You know, sometimes we think, well, it's Sunday. You know, I didn't, I didn't get up a little early. I didn't read my Bible, you know, because I'm going to church, right? So I'm going to hear some Bible there. But the truth is God wanted to, hopefully you did this, but God wanted to give you a word today. Maybe the day's not over, so you can go home and, and this evening and get quiet and read your Bible. He wants to give you a word today, today. I'm convinced, though, the issue is busyness. Why don't I hear from God? I haven't heard from God in years. I haven't heard from God in weeks. I've never heard from God. I think the, one of the biggest things that we face when it comes to hearing our word from God daily is busyness. And I, in fact, I would say this way. I'm convinced that one of the greatest threats to spiritual growth and revival in America is not spiritual attacks from our enemy, but rather self-inflicted busyness. One of the greatest threats to seeing revival in America, revival in our life, or spiritual growth in our life is not attacks from our enemy. Spiritually, it's 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 self-inflicted busyness because busyness is a badge of honor in our culture. How you doing, man? We're busy. And there's going to be seasons where we're busy. However, am I too busy for the things of God? That's the real question. Am I too busy to hear from God? Here's why I'd ask that. Does anyone in here ever get uh, hangry? You know, you get angry because you're hungry? Yeah, okay. Some of you put your hand up right away. You know what I'm talking about. Hangry. My, uh, so my son, Gavin, he, I'm talking about him a lot today, but he, he gets a little hangry. Not just hangry, though. He gets, um, he gets easily angered when he's hungry. He gets easily frustrated when he's, uh, when he's hungry. He gets easily annoyed. Uh, his emotions just seem to go everywhere, right? Last, uh, yesterday, he had some friends over for his birthday, and one of his friends brought him a, a Lego set, which we have Legos everywhere at our house right now, but they brought him another Lego set. Praise God. Um, And while he was putting this together, we realized it was getting late in the evening. He's putting it together. We hadn't had dinner yet. And at the end, things were just falling apart. And he was just getting so frustrated. I could see it in his eyes. If he he didn't have more self-control, he would just want to throw the Lego set across the room, right? He's to that point, just so, he's like shaking mad, so frustrated that things aren't coming together. 
He's a little bit hangry at that point. It's just like, he just needs a, hey, he just needs a peanut butter sandwich and he'll be totally fine. He can finish this. However, the issue is, I believe that we have thousands of Christians who are walking around spiritually hangry because they aren't consuming their daily bread. We're going to work and we're just as grumpy. We complain just like everyone else. We're just as easily angered, just like everyone else. We don't smile because we have no joy, just like everyone else. We are going through what? Complaining, grumpy, just like my son Gavin when he hasn't had a sandwich or a meal with a frustrated at his Lego set. We're going through life that way. Why? Simply because we're not consuming daily bread. And it really breaks down to this. It comes down to when I consume daily bread, I produce the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, the whole list. But when I don't, I produce the works of the flesh. Fits of rage, lying, deceitfulness, complaining. I do the opposite of that. So when I, whenever I'm going through my day, and it doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. Things happen all the time. However, when I go through my day, and I see those things that don't align with God's word, that aren't through the spirit arising in me, I'm easily angered. i got to ask myself, did I, did I eat today? Spiritually? Have I had some food today? Because that's probably my issue. Not just read it to say I read the Bible, but did I stop enough, put my phone away for a second, and just read to hear from God today? Did I get my daily bread? Uh, Psalm 68, 19 says this, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with his benefits. I love that. Who daily loads, meaning this, God wants to daily load you up with his benefits and with his goodness. But guess what? He's, not, he's a good father. He's a gentleman. He waits at the door and he knocks. He's not going to just throw it at you. He's going to see, will you come meet with me? Will you come sit at the table with me? Will you come get quiet with me? Will you come listen for me? And not just talk the whole time, not just pray the whole time, but will you just get quiet and listen for my voice? I want to load you up with my goodness and with my benefits. And man, isn't God good? Why does he want my time? Because he wants to show you and remind you how good he is. That's why. Point number two is this. The Bible's our sustaining bread. It's not just our daily bread, but it's our sustaining bread. Meaning this, I have to have something that's going to sustain me through this life. It's going to sustain me through this life. Right? It's just like our physical bodies. Just because you were full one time, you had a great meal one time, that's not enough to sustain you through life. Right? It's like, uh, I think it was last week or one of these weeks, I talked about going to Charleston's, right? You go and you get your favorite, and the next week we went to Charleston's because I was craving it ever since it. But well, you go to get your favorite meal, right? And you're there and you're consuming and it's great. But if I do that on a Sunday afternoon, that one meal is not enough. I'm going to get hangry later on. It's not enough to sustain me for, it can for a next week or even a little bit beyond that. But eventually I'm going to have to consume some water. I'm going to have to consume some liquid. I'm going to have to consume some food at some point. But too many times, I think many times in America specifically as Christians, we're consuming some on Sunday. And we think Sunday's message is enough to sustain us through this week. And let me tell you doesn't matter how good I preach up here, <laughs> if, if it is good. It doesn't matter. It's not enough to sustain you in this life. Eating spiritually one day a week is not enough. You must learn to feed yourself in God's word. And in doing so, you will find sustainability for this life. Because when crisis happens on Monday, when you get that phone call on Tuesday, when something crazy happens at work on Thursday, Sunday's message is long gone. You've digested it, you've, you've, you've meditated on it, but eventually you're gonna to need to put a little more in so that you can have sustainability. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let's go to Matthew uh, 4, 3 through 4. I think that's my next slide. Yeah, here we go. 
And this is Jesus being tempted in the wilderness by, by the devil. Now, when the tempter came to Jesus, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. There it is again, bread. But he answered and he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here's what's amazing. Jesus being tempted by the spiritual enemy, he quotes God's word. He's quoting Deuteronomy 8 in this. He's quoting God's word to resist the enemy so that he will flee. I need to tell you this, if, if, if scripture has no power, or if it's just like any other ordinary book, why would Jesus speak it to resist and to defeat his spiritual enemy? There is power in speaking, not my words, not words or a quote from some author or some self-help book. There's power when I speak God's word. When I quote God's word. That's where the power is. This is more than just a book that has good insight. It is something that has power when I speak it out loud. And Jesus was the perfect example of that. He says, I'm being tempted. I'm under pressure. He's been fasting for 40 days now. He's, he's feeling it. He's feeling the temptation. And what does he do? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He starts quoting scripture in, and with the power from it, he defeats his spiritual, his spiritual enemy. Self-help books, or books authored by humans cannot defeat Satan. That self-help books or books that are authored by humans. This was written by humans, authored by God. Books that are authored by humans, they cannot defeat Satan. They can give you, I like to say it this way, they can give you um, spiritual band-aids and bandages and tips and tricks. However, most of the times the things that we're facing in our lives are deeply rooted, almost like a spiritual cancer that we're carrying with us. The only cure to spiritual cancer is found in this. Self-help books may give you a spiritual band-aid, a tip or a trick to try to make you feel better, but it won't solve the issue. The cure to it is found in this book and in this book alone. It's the only book that can defeat our spiritual enemy. The Bible is our spiritual nourishment. It sustains us in this life. Just like we need food for our natural body, we need spiritual food to sustain our spiritual walk with God. But can I tell you, too many Christians are dying from spiritual malnourishment because they're not eating the word of God. Why am I facing all of this stuff in my life? Sometimes the, the enemy has a target on your back. Yes. Sometimes you're leaning into God and more problems seem to arise. Yes, because you're a threat to the enemy. But sometimes... We're facing things in our lives that can be overcome if we would consume some knowledge from God's word and apply it to our lives. Sometimes it's just us having to do our part to sustain us. Why is that important? Because can I tell you a great example? This past week, on Monday, I got a phone call that was just so incredibly discouraging. So discouraging. And for a day, it just consumed me. I was just, man, that is not the phone call I needed, not the phone call I wanted. So incredibly dis discouraging and just put me down. But what allowed me to continue through the week and do what God has called me to do through the week? What, had what, it, what got me through that situation? Do I have it resolved? Not necessarily. However, I had sustaining bread that I was consuming every day. 
And so whenever I've, you feel you get caught in a, a bad conversation, you get a bad report, something bad happens, what gets me through that? Because I've read this, I've consumed this, I've ate this, and in doing so, I know this. And when I know this, I know that though this may have happened today, but I know that God has answers for it. So I'm gonna choose not to just consume, be, stay here and, and, and think about this. I'm gonna think about tomorrow and how God's gonna come through because of what his word says about tomorrow, about this afternoon. I'm gonna keep walking in faith but I can't keep walking in faith if I never know what this is or what this says. I can't continue on sustaining bread. Look at Job 23, it says this, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What great perspective. I have treasured this more than anything else, more than my physical necessary food. Joshua 1.8 says this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then, everyone say then. Yeah. I'll say like you mean it, then. Yeah. And then you will have good success. Do you need something in your life to prosper? Do you need some good success in your life? No matter what it is, your health, your, your job, your marriage, whatever it might be. Do you need some breakthrough? I don't know about you, I do. How do I get it? Then I will experience, well, what do I need to do first? I need to meditate. You can prosper. You can have good success in every area of your life, in your marriage, your work, your relationships, your parenting, your finances, your health, if you meditate on God's word. Does that mean that trials won't come? No, they're going to come, but you will have answers for the trial. You will have hope in the trial. You will have hope for a future. You will have some courage to think I can get through this on the other side. If I meditate. What is meditating? It's not sitting in the corner making some weird noises over and over again. That's not it. That's not biblical meditation. Literally, in the, in the original language, the translation would be this, to softly speak over and over to yourself. So it's not making noise. What it is is it's actually consuming God's word and then saying God's word over and over and over again to yourself. It's quoting God's word to yourself. And in doing so, what are you doing? You're thinking about it because you're speaking it. And I'm just continually thinking, meditating, speaking throughout my day. One of the easiest ways to do this, to get practical, is that when you read God's word in the morning, get a, a sticky note and write that verse down and take that verse with you. If you've got to put it in your lunchbox, if you go to the job site or something, put it in the lunchbox. If, you go, if you're driving, you do a lot of driving, put it in your car. So as you're going through your day, you're going to have a natural reminder of what did God say this morning? Here's what he said. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to consume it again. If, if you will meditate, you will have good success. So here's the thing. If that's true, what's the most important thing we could do every single day? Right? What's the most important thing? Even in the natural, here's what's amazing. In the natural, the average CEO reads 60 plus books a year. Think about that. I got good news for you, okay? This one book is made up of 66 books. Isn't that interesting? God has literally given us the key to success, the answers that you need, the hope for tomorrow in here. CEOs are reading 60 plus books. Well, I don't got time to read that. Can I tell you? You, got, you have more than maybe the books that they're reading. It's all consumed right here. If you would commit to this book, if you would commit to learning it, if you commit to memorizing it, commit to speaking it over your life every day, I promise you it's more than a book. It will be bread for you that sustains you, that feeds you, that, that gives you hope and gives you the strength for tomorrow. That's what it does. The last one is this. The Bible is our true bread. The Bible is our true bread. We're going to break this down here. I love this part. This is, this is, 
the most important point you can hear today. We started talking about how uh, manna in the beginning, that first point, how it's bread from heaven, bread from heaven. But we're gonna look at a few of the words of Jesus and talk about how he talks about bread from heaven in this. In John 6, we'll start in verse 31, it says this. Jesus is talking to some religious leaders and here's what he says. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. But then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. He gave you bread from heaven, but he didn't give you the bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. The Bible is our true bread. Verse 33, for the bread, the bread of God is he, capital H, that's Jesus, who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34, then they said to him, Lord, Give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger spiritually. He he, who believes in me shall never thirst. What does he say? Moses gave you natural help. He gave you the, the natural bread from heaven, but he did not give you the bread from heaven. And Jesus has begun to reveal himself as I am the bread from heaven. That's what Jesus is saying. Let's skip down to verse 48. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. (laughs) They ate naturally and they died naturally. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Isn't Jesus good? He says, look, you're going to experience a physical death at some point hate to break it to you. However, when we choose to consume the living bread, though our bodies may die, we will never experience death. We will not know death. We will go from this life to the next life into beautiful, the presence of our Savior. He says, you're never going to experience death. I'm the living bread, though you must choose to consume. And here's what's amazing about God's word. Even in this one example, in the Old Testament, what is the Old Testament? It's just a foreshadowing of the new. We're seeing manna from heaven. Like, God, why did you do it that way? I mean, you could have have done it a million different ways, right? Why'd you choose manna bread from heaven? It was all pointing to Jesus. Jesus is now saying, I'm the daily bread that you will receive from heaven. I'm here for you to consume of me. How do we do that? that? That sounds weird. Let's Let's look at John 1.1. 1, 1. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he beheld, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten. What is that? John 3.16, John 3, the only begotten Son, right, of the Father, full of grace and truth. Revelation 19, his name is, is called the word of God. How do we consume Jesus? It's Jesus is the word of God. He's the word of God. So why is all this important to know? And can I tell you, we're just getting started. I know I did a little teaching today. We're just getting started on this. This series, I don't say this lightly ever. It will change your life. When you read the Bible, It is so much more than a book. You are taking 
in, spiritually consuming Jesus. Spiritually consuming Jesus. And the more you read, the more that Jesus gets into you, the more that Jesus gets into your life, the more that Jesus gets into your marriage, the more that Jesus gets into your family's life, the more that Jesus gets into everywhere that you go. Where does it start though? I've got to consume it. I've got to be devoted to saying, you know what, I'm going to read this and ask the Holy Spirit to help me understand this. This is amazing. It's more than a book. We have the key to everything. We have the key to everything. We have the secret to miracles. We have access to God's wisdom. We have answers to every problem we face. We have access to eternal life. We have access to forgiveness, to peace, to health, to prosperity, to joy, and the list goes on and on. We have access to it if we would just dust it off and read it. He's saying, would you meet with me today? Son, would you just, would you put your phone down for a second and just open my book and read? Daughter, would you just take a second and just get quiet and listen for my voice and read? If we will read this book, it will change our lives. We gotta make a decision though. I'm, I refuse to walk around in my life being spiritually hangry all the time. Let me give you the reflection questions as I wrap up today and simply this. Do I have a daily time to consume God's word? For some of you stay-at-home moms, you may say, man, life is crazy. I don't know how I'm ever gonna have some, some, some time to do that. Man, just take, if you can get those few precious moments, even if it's a verse, the verse of the day, start somewhere. Can I tell you, God's not expecting you to take two hours. If you do, that's great. But starting is the best. He just wants to see you start. Do I have scriptures memorized so I can be sustained in my daily life? Have I committed to memory anything? Put a challenge out there in front of yourself. Hey, I'm gonna commit, I'm gonna memorize one verse a month. Think about that. 12 verses a year, it's doable. And you'll be ready to go and be sustained through anything that you might face. Number three, am I consistently meditating on God's word? Do I have any way, any process of meditating on God's word throughout my day? Am I writing it down? Am I thinking about it? Or am I just kind of just reading it and say I did it and blowing past it? But here's number th- the action step is the most important. Commit to reading God's word every day. Commit. Just say, I'm gonna commit to do it. And if you say, I don't know where to start, start with Proverbs. Start there. And if you feel good, add, add part of the gospel. So Proverbs, just do a proverb for the day, right? Today's May 1st. Read Proverbs 1. Read Proverbs 1. I promise you, you're going to get a lot from it. It's going to bless your life. Another place to start is in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Start reading about Jesus. He's going to reveal himself to you like he never has before. But before you read, before you consume, can I tell you, it's just like a physical meal. A great practice, hopefully you do this, is to pray over your food when you consume it naturally. Pray over it. Thank God for it. Thank you that you have provision to eat. You have meal for that day. Pray before you consume. Ask the Holy Spirit, who is your helper, say, Holy Spirit, this is what I do every day. Holy Spirit, help me see something fresh, something new. Speak to me in a clear way today, in Jesus' name. And can I tell you, that is a prayer that the Holy Spirit, God our Father, will love to answer for you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to give you a daily word so you can be sustained. And he wants to reveal himself to you as the true true bread of life. He loves you so much. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a lamp 
to our feet, a light to our path, that it gives us insight for the future, that gives us hope, Lord, for today. It gives us strength. It sustains us. It's our daily bread, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for being the living bread. I thank you, Lord, that your word is not static. It's not ancient, but Lord, it is alive and active just as Jesus is alive and active today more than he ever has been. Lord, I thank you that your word is the same way for us. And I pray, Lord, I just pray over our church family right now as we go, as we commit to reading your word, as we commit to getting in your word, consuming it, I pray that you'd make it new to us. Even if we've read it a a thousand times, Lord, I pray that you would make it new to us, that you would speak to us in a fresh way, that you give us a fresh fire for your word. And Lord, I thank you that as we learn your word, as we glorify your word, as we walk in your word, I thank you that your promises are yes and amen, that they come. And that Lord, I thank you that you've equipped us for every battle, every struggle that we face, but it's found in your word. I pray that Lord, you would just help us, help us walk in it over these next several weeks. In Jesus name, everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.